Welcome to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Do you struggle at times when your child shuts down or gets upset when you tell them something and it's not their way? And then you try to figure out how to like to rebuild that connection that kind of seems broken or lost right in that moment. Or maybe you get frustrated, upset, and you're trying to figure out how to help yourself, help your child. Um, well, I'd love to have you join us for uh, something I put together. I'm running a second, for the second time, a live course. This time around, we're calling it Magnificent Mastermind. And really, it's just Tuesday nights, 7 to 8 p.m., starting in March for six weeks. And we go through a collaborative problem-solving process that I've learned and used for the last decade uh, with kids. And um, in the fall, I taught it to several parents, and they loved it. They asked me to run the course again. Um, and each week, we got on, and they were sharing how they had used the strategies and how it changed their response and reaction in connection with their kids. Uh, we have used some mindfulness practices. Um, we also have recorded it live, so you could buy the course and just watch it on your own time. That's on the link below as well. So yeah, if you're looking for some help with your kids uh, this week, this month, this year, or you know someone who's struggling with it, pass this along to them. Um, it's really been fun to see how helpful it has been for parents and kids and the mindfulness practices that we do together and the self-care practices we hold each other accountable to. <laughs> it even forces me to check in with my own self-care weekly, which I always appreciate because uh, like you, we go 100 miles an hour and, and it is so important to stop and take care of ourselves. So yeah, I hope to see you and uh, if anything, share this with someone you know who might need it. Shaheen Najak is a certified mindfulness meditation coach for parents, teachers, and caregivers. Her passion lies in supporting adults and children, particularly parents and teenagers, in bringing back the joy and connection, building better relationships, using mindfulness skills to proven to increase self-esteem and self-acceptance. Shaheen, welcome to Momnificent. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here today. Me too. And where are you enjoying Momnificent from? Oh, so I'm in um, rainy today, rainy Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. Vancouver, that's where the um, Olympic Games were, right? Correct. Yeah. And my husband and I were like, that would be so cool to go there someday. So that's definitely on my bucket list. (laughs) 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 That's so fun. And um, Shaheen, what's one thing that you've done recently? that maybe you haven't done for some time that brings you joy? I have to tell you this. I went back to school (laughs) and I, yeah, I'm pursuing a a master's in education degree in grad school. And I am just loving learning for the sake of learning. But one thing that I hadn't done before that I've recently done is um, I jumped into the ocean fully clothed. In winter, so it was great. <laughs> oh my, it was freezing cold. It was freezing cold. 
<laughs> you did the plunge. I did the plunge because I'm saying yes more often to things that will make me feel good and saying no kindly, but no thanks. Maybe another time to those that don't fill my bucket. That is so inspiring. I have not taken a plunge into the deep, cold, dark ocean. That is wow. Something to I'm try. Impressed. Yeah. I'm impressed. So Shaheen, I was wondering if we could start out with a question that a parent had shared with me recently. And I was just curious as to your feedback, thoughts, and input here. So she was saying that her son's in high school and like most teenagers in high school and sometimes more boys, I'll say than girls, he, he doesn't really talk to her. Like he goes to his room, he does his thing, he does his homework and she tries to start a conversation and it almost feels like he just doesn't even want to talk to her. And she was just reaching out and she was like, what do I do to get that connection back with him? How do I talk to him? What do I do to um, really engage with him? And uh, maybe you can start us off, help us out with your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I hope this will be helpful. Um, so it does happen with girls as well. I hear a lot of moms saying, my teen daughter just shuts me, shuts me out, just closes the door and off she goes, she's on her phone or, or whatever it might be. So it can apply to both. But, um, you know, with teenagers, part of their job in being a teenager is to pull away. That's just an evolutionary way of them, you know, trying to get into their own feel for what it would be like to be an adult that, right? So just getting into that becoming adult stage. So what I'd like to ask the parent is, is this behavior something you're noticing that seems to be appropriate for that age and stage? And if so, then there was, a, there was a beautiful New York Times article about teenagers. Sometimes they want us around like potted plants and they will water us every now and then. And when they water us, we go, ah, yes, I love this. And then we just, but they do want us. They notice when we're not there. They notice when we're not engaging. So that's an important piece to remember. But sometimes just that quiet presence, modeling conversations that we might want, because sometimes we want the kids to talk, but we're not actually modeling what it's like to have a conversation. So uh, for parents listening that have younger kids, start modeling that right away. And I can get into that a little bit later, but also asking questions skillfully. So that was the one piece. Is it a normal age and stage kind of a, a relationship that you're having? Or is this relationship where he's kind of resisting talking to you? He just wants to be away from you. And if that's the case, then really doing that mindful awareness that you turn back to yourself as a parent. And how are we showing up for them? How are we being? Are we as, you know, and I've been there, I have been there, um, just going about our day with those little niggly frustrations and irritations and um, being directive, you, you know, take the garbage out. Did you do your homework? Um, what do you, that kind of, con is that is that the communication that you're having? If that is the case, then I, I bring about an analogy of, um, of a blister, right? A blister happens when there's friction. 
And if it's consistent friction, then it, it erupts, right? So we need, if that's a relationship and in the teen years, you've noticed that, oh, I've been doing this for a while, then create a soothing space for both of you. So give it room to heal. So with, with mindfulness, try getting up each morning and with, a, with an intention, what do I want my relationship to look like with my child? Am I going to fight with him today and tell him or ask him or, you know, communicate about the chores and the little things that really won't matter in five years? Or do I want to cultivate a calm connection, a deep connection, where in five, when his prefrontal cortex has, has developed enough at 24, 25, at 30, when, where I can really have those meaningful conversations with him, right? Mm. So instead of questions regarding um, how was school today? Typical answer from kids ages five to 15 is fine. And I've asked the kids this, what does your mom say when they pick you up or dad say when you pick you up from school? And they'll be like, how was your school today? <laughs> how did, what was at school today? And we're like, fine. They're tired, right? So let's prime their brain differently and ask them, anything make you laugh today? Anything interesting happened today? And then they might, they might just say no, but look at what you're doing. You're, uh, you're um, activating that reticular activating system in their brain that's scanning the next day, something that will make me laugh. And if something makes it laugh, they, they just put it in their back pocket. So when you ask, they say, oh, yeah, something did happen. And trust me, I've tried it with my kids. I have two, two daughters. So um, if they say, oh, nothing, then say, oh, you know what? Something made me laugh. I'd like to share with you. So you're modeling good conversation. Or, you know, today I was really frustrated because this happened. And then I just had to take a breath. You're modeling what you did, right? So really um, using that blister analogy by, and, and this, the second thing is when we heal a blister, we put a bandaid on it, we soothe it, right? We caress it sometimes. We don't yell at the blister. We don't say, why did that happen, right? What we do is we take that U-turn going, oh, I wonder where this came from. Oh yeah, those shoes were too... I hadn't worn them in enough, or the socks weren't right, or I had a rock in it, or yeah, I remember I burnt my finger on the stove, right? So you do that inquiry process. That's what the mindfulness is. So if I was to leave her with a couple of uh, questions and answers to help is create that soothing space. You know, if he forgot his lunch or didn't take out the garbage, say, Oh, I did it. Don't worry. Are you okay? You're doing okay. Right. Mm -hmm. You're leaving the house and the teenager is at home. For me, a practice, I just happened to do it. And what I found was my kids started putting it up on the fridge. I had little post-it notes. I love you. I'm going for a run. I love you. Oh, you, you inspired me today by thanks for sharing this with me today. Love you. Constant love yous. And they start putting them up on the fridge. And I'm like, what? And so now we put, oh, mom, you didn't leave me a note. Now I put them up on the, on the fridge. The other, the other thing 
that I started um, a while back and it's now become part of routine is a 20 second hug. It's not for you. I know teenagers sometimes don't want hugs. It's not for you. It's for me. Right. And touch, touch for teenagers is, is really important. If they don't want to give you a hug, when you walk by, just pat them on the shoulder. Right. If they're sitting on the couch, just massage their feet. It's that creating that connection, finding opportunities for connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's- is the blister will start to heal. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. So many beautiful tips in there. And like when they're when our kids are younger, we always show up at school for other things when they're kindergarten, it's such a big deal. First, second, and third grade. And I remember somebody saying once in middle and high school, your kids may act like they don't want you there, but they actually need you more. Need you more. And somehow we are so more present in those elementary years. And yet, yes, parents and caregivers of teens, your child needs you more. And I love all the ways that you describe that there's at least one that we can take today and start implementing. But you gave us so many things to just keep us going and trying. I love that. Thank you. Thank Nothing you so else much. Pretend you're a potted plant. The potted plant. I love that analogy. That's so true. And I, I think you had said um, in another interview that I was listening to you, and you said it's about how you show up, which I think I was taking from what you were saying. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Because that just really um, stood out to me. Yeah. How do we show up, right? Um, so what happens is when we get up in the morning, if we're lucky, we had a good night's sleep. So we get up with about 80% energy, right? And then it might be different how we show up on a Monday morning to how we show up on a Saturday morning. The same thing doesn't affect us the same way, right? Something may have happened. How do I intentionally show up for you today? And then when we drop off our kids and we go, you know, we have um, a stress response, right? Something happens and we're, you know, Tigers aren't chasing us, but if they were, uh, we would go back to baseline, but we get stuck in traffic or the lineup at the grocery store is too long or somebody at work didn't get something done. So our, our stress level is up here. At the end of the day, our kids come home and we want to connect by saying, how was school? Guess what? They've had the same stress response. They went to school they were ignored or they didn't do well in a math test or something happened. Their stress response is up there. Now you're both meeting at the end of the day, the whole family actually is meeting with a very high stress, right? With high stress. So what we wanna do is at the end of the day, what can I do? How can I show up for my family today by bringing myself down to that, that, so I'm using my prefrontal cortex, my, my calm piece brain, right? So yeah. that they will come down with me. So good. That's beautiful. And that's so true because there are so many stresses. I mean, sometimes I feel like we treat kids like they're robots, like do this, sit down, do pee, go mark your paper, uh, go play with the kids, even if no one's playing with you, you know, and, and then we get surprised that they just 
have a behavior once in a blue moon, possibly, if not more frequently. And it's like, yeah, they're just kids. They're just navigating the space. And you're right. They're dealing with all their own stressors and internal stressors that are pulling them in, in different ways. Um, and so what's one tip that you have to parent mindfully and have no regrets? How do we have no regrets when we go to bed at night? I coined this phrase for me, right? I wanted to go to bed with no regrets because I'd had enough. I was doing everything for my kids, right? I was there all the time. And yet I found myself constantly going to bed regretting, oh my God, you know, I had so many cringe moments today (laughs) that I wish I could take back. So... And, you know, as I, when I talk about our energy, even when we try to um, put on that happy face, oh, yeah, work was good. We're not really being our authentic self. I, I, did, um, I did a little um, talk on an app called Five Minutes for Me about the masks we wear, right? And so that we, we wear that mask as well. That was for teens, but we wear the mask too in front of our team. Yeah, everything is good. And we, but our energy leaks out of us through our tone, our posture, our lack of smile on our face, you know, or that furrowed brow that we don't even know we, were, we have. So our frustrations, our irritations, all our overwhelm leaks out. Kids don't want to be around that. It stresses them out. They have enough anxiety without taking, absorbing our anxiety, right? So at the end of the evening, I always say, connect, connect with your children. And by that, I say, clean up any cringe moments you had, right? You know, during dinner, if I was busy, I was like, okay, we got to do this before we move on. And if my daughter has said, oh, mom, did, uh, you know, did you remember that we had this? And uh, if I say, you know what, I've got enough to do and then move on. That was a cringe moment. She was trying to connect, right? So if I don't catch it at that time, I clean it up at the end of the night. So I offer this for parents to say, you know, come out and say, you know, I, I remember there was a tone about me. I'm not quite sure what I said, but if it made you feel like I wasn't listening or I wasn't present, I'm sorry. And then go one step further. Next time, because sometimes sorry isn't if we keep doing it, right? Because kids will catch us on it. Yeah, you say sorry, but you yell at me all the time. (laughs) Next time, I will take a breath. And next time I will put down whatever I'm doing and I'll truly listen to you. The other thing, if we don't think that we did anything, sometimes when you're doing that 20 second hug, you might say to your child, did I do anything today that might have upset you or that didn't feel right settling with you, didn't land with you properly? And that gives her or him an opportunity to say whatever is on their mind. That's a form of communication. Then when you're giving a hug, there's that release moment. And when you give that hug, say, oh, just breathe into me. And you'll notice that they breathe right into you. I will take this. I love you no matter what. And we can go to bed with no regrets. Isn't that, isn't that what we all want? 
That's so beautiful. And you're right. We all have those cringe moments. I mean, even as you were talking, I was thinking about my husband. How often do I say things or I don't notice something? And to take that breath and to retrace my steps or how have I done anything today that has maybe I've been unaware of how that came across because we can get so in our zone, in our mode, in our 101 things to do that we do. We just, we just, well, I'll speak for myself. I just barrel right past people. And later I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so sorry. And you want to take that back. So beautiful, beautiful moments. I can add something. We, if we were to check in with our body at that time, we noticed it. But our mind said, oh, it's fine. Move on. And then we go to bed. And if we don't clean it up, there's a part of us that says, oh, don't forget. I don't think they noticed. It's, it's that kind of conversation that goes on subconsciously. So good. So good. So what's one simple mindfulness practice that we can do anywhere, anytime that maybe you want to teach our listeners today? Can I give you three? Yeah, go for it. Then we can just then we can just press rewind when we want to go back to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me three. Give me three. I love it. Yes. I I couldn't. I can't just give one because these are three three different practices that I do all the time and have been doing for a while. So the first one is practicing the pause. Do you remember when I said that at the end of the day we're up here in our stress and we all meet? So what? When we practice our pause and use our breath as the anchor, we bring our mind to where the body is at that moment. So if we're driving and, you know, our mind is everywhere, we practice the pause. One of the things that I use that I found really helpful and I use it with my kids in the car. So if you have younger kids, all the parents out there, start now. Oh, there's a red light. Oh, there's a stop sign. Every time there's a stop sign, every time there's a red light, I pause with my breath as well as my car or, you know, at a crosswalk if we're walking. Oh, let's take a breath here. Because what it does is it just brings us back to the body instead of sitting in our mind. So that's the first one. Practice your pause throughout your day. However you do that, whatever habit you have, attach this pause to it. Choose one. Um, Filling up a water bottle, for example, waiting for your coffee to brew. So the second one is when we're speaking to somebody, communicating three things. And I say this all the time when my daughter's talking to me about friends, is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? Just three things before I'm about to say something. And if I'm about to say something about somebody else, I stop in my tracks. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? That sometimes stops me from saying something that might be true in my head, but not true in real life, right? The third thing that I do in this practice, I absolutely love, and that is silent kindness. Just sending a silent kindness to somebody I, I, I see. So I, I started this practice by intentionally coming up with a number of people I was going to do this, random people, 
right? It's in grocery stores, driving, wherever. So initially my practice was I will find five people that I will randomly send a silent kindness to. So somebody might be walking across the street as I'm in my car and they'll be with a walker or something. And I'll just say, may you be safe and healthy. Or I see somebody walking, may you always be able to walk. If I see somebody laughing, I'll be, may you always find joy in your life and may you always have the opportunity to give joy. Something that speaks to you as authentic, right? When my kids are in the car and somebody cuts me off, I say it out loud. May you get home safely. Instead of raging, yelling, swearing, and I... I literally an example, I had kids in the car with my daughter's friends and somebody cut us off and I said it out loud and they, and they talked about it. And my daughter told me about it the next day. They thought you were so cool. Yeah. Kindness is cool. (laughs) Kindness is cool. It's cool. So those are three. I'm so glad you shared those three things. And the pause is so true. It's like naturally in our life where things are stopping for a moment and it's just becoming aware that that natural stop or pause, if we can just train ourselves, we'll actually get into the habit of that. That's so beautiful. I love that you shared that. And you know why it's important is because when we pause, if you think about a balloon, we're blowing up our balloon with all the all the energy that we spend during the day, right? But if we pause and take a breath, we're letting a little bit of air out of the balloon. So that uh, little neck in that balloon, it just gets a little longer. We build a little bit of resiliency. We have capacity in our in our bodies so that if something goes wrong, if somebody has an accident, somebody's ill, something happens in our life, we have that capacity to be able to manage it, to deal with it, to be present for it, to hold space for whoever's going through that, to hold space for us. It's just like a proactive kind of, it's like a, a, a treatment for yourself in a way. Yeah. Beautiful treatment, a healing. Yeah. Because most times we're so stressed out that we're like, oh my gosh, I need a break. But this actually front loads it so we have the capacity to handle it. I mean, that's that, that's huge. That's such a beautiful takeaway. Wow. Thank you so much. When you um, do break, so say you do sit down and have that coffee, you can actually savor the coffee. Yeah, and be in the moment and notice it with your senses instead of you just like I said, grab and go, and then you don't really even take in the moment. And all we have are moments, all we have are memories. And I bet the practice you shared of sending those kind and loving thoughts to people, I, I it would just be so beautiful. And I'm sure you have so many stories to share where, where you actually received it back because I'm a very strong believer in what you give, you're, you get back. And that whole picture just came to me while you were talking to me about that. Yeah, it's, it's just, you can't, your brain can't be angry, irritated, and frustrated if it's being kind and grateful. It can't do both of those. Try it. You can't be at those two different places at the same time. So which one do you want to choose? How do you want to show up? 
So good. So good. That's so powerful. And so how can we use our breath, which you gave us a couple of examples, but is there anything more you want to speak of to using our breath to calm any anxiety or fear in a given moment? And we could even teach our kids this. Yeah. So um, one of the things I, I teach kids is, well, we, with kids, I have the glitter jars and I say, okay, put in all your emotions and all the stuff that's clouding you. So breathe and they, they take it to school. They put it on their nightside table and they'll just breathe themselves down Um, for parents with little, little kids. I say put a stuffy on their tummy and watch it go and have the kids watch watch the stuffy go up. With um, slightly older kids, I talk about the four square breathing and I say use the palm of your hand. So breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four. Um, we I also teach the, to them on a on a book. So once you have that, then before a test, take that time to breathe, right? Lots of kids tell me, oh, I have a math test. Okay, so breathe, use that paper or book and just breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four. It literally just takes um, less than a minute, calms you down. And also they feel like they're in control. Now they have that that autonomy for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, the other, the other one that I, I love is the five senses, coming to our senses. So that grounding practice, when, when something is really upsetting, grief overtakes you, you're really angry. Okay, it takes 90 seconds. Um, Jill Bolte-Taylor, she wrote in her Stroke of Insight, she's a neuroanatomist, and she writes that it takes 90 seconds for a, a a deep emotion to rise, peak, and fall. And guess what? I've tried it, and it takes 90 seconds to, to see five things you see, four things you hear, three things you feel, two things you smell, and one thing you taste. And that, that whole process takes 90 seconds if you don't attach a story to it, if you don't call your friend whoever and talk about it and keep that repeat it you're repeating right just detach yourself from the story just 90 seconds and you'll notice it passes so so good so good so who or what influenced you growing up and what did you learn from them that you attribute to who you have become today um i i love this question um my parents, my mom and dad, they were both very different beings. Um, my mom had, we immigrated from Uganda, East Africa in 1972. So my mom was um, in her mid thirties. Um, she didn't speak English. She learned English. She had a passion for learning and serving others. She had this, this she would go to the local church and talk to the ladies and learn how to make bread and Easter things. And she would come home and then she would teach them how to make samosas. And she could, she would create recipes and she could cook for 500 people at people's weddings at the time. Like she would just do that. She was never stuck in her way, you know, 
she she had this she had a regular meditation practice which i think i think subconsciously i grew up having that uh, presence and she was always willing to learn she was always willing to change her mind and she modeled that for me you know and she was willing to change with the times no i don't no mom i'm sorry this doesn't fit right sit right with me She'd be she would talk about it and with my dad, he was a super kind person. He had the softest heart. He wasn't um, the overbearing patriarchal man that you would see in the East Indian culture. It's, it, it sometimes is prevalent in the culture, but he loved music. He loved to dance. He loved to laugh. He was a joyous person. And honestly, when I was married and... When my husband yelled at me, I, one of the things I would say to him was, my dad's never yelled at me. You don't have this right. So it brought in me a sense of myself, right? So he, he, was, he was a caring, caring, kind soul. So they oh, influenced me. The, between the two of them, I like to say that I, I, am, I, I am from them. So beautiful. Oh, because I have the... I have the chills. That was so precious. Thank you for sharing that. And so you founded Mindful Changes. What led you to this work? And can you tell our listeners just a little bit about um, what they can find there on your website? Yeah. Um, what led me to my work? What led me to my work was my... I, I, I was noticing the blisters in my relationship with my daughters. And I thought, there has, there, this can't be the way. This is not the connection. This is not the joy of parenting that I wanted when, when I was pregnant with them and when they were so little and cuddly and they changed. So maybe something I need to do to change. So I, you know, I went through a journey of um, different learnings and, and I settled into this practice of mindfulness in my parenting so it's not about the parenting and I often tell parents there's so many parenting books it's it's not so much about the parenting it's about bringing our mindfulness self into the parenting what what feels right so I had to soothe my relationship with my children and I noticed that when I became more mindful shifts started happening in me and when they happened in me I settled into this calm place of parenting with joy and connection. And when I did that, I noticed that shifts started happening in my relationship with my children. And I just, you know, taking the influence of my mom, I just thought I, I cannot keep this to myself. This, I, I need to serve. I need to serve. Initially, I thought the kids. And then I realized I need to serve the kids through the parents. So that's what brought me to my journey. So I started, I, I, this, the name of this is really the changes I made, mindful changes. So they, people can find me on my website. It's um, mindful change, mindful dash changes.com. And in Instagram, I'm not a big um, social media person. So, but you get the essence of me, um, mindful changes for the number four, you on Instagram, but everything you need is there. I'm running a no regrets parenting course starting mid January. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm there or um, phone me. 
reach out or or email like I did please come on my show and I love that you're here today you're just you're sharing with us so many beautiful valuable insights every everything you say is just a a gold nugget for us and what's one thing that you wish someone had told your younger self that someone listening today just might be able to take away with them in these last few minutes okay um those who know me know that I can't just say one thing. I say, I, I love this work and I will talk about it for 24 hours if you'll let me. So I will say a couple things. In my teen years, I wish somebody had told me that thoughts are not facts. Feel your feelings. It's okay to feel those feelings. And use your parents' prefrontal cortex, borrow it every now and then, use those as the brakes because a teenage brain is like a red sports car with no brakes. Um, in my 20s and 30s, I wish somebody would have told me, um, don't pull back from fear, go for it, go to your edge, feel the edge, feel what it feels like and savor those moments, right? In those 20s. And then um, in my 40s, I would say, I wish somebody had said to me, celebrate every birthday, doing something for you, doing something special for you, for myself. So those are three things again, Karen. So good. I love it. Well, Shamim, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today. And um, I will definitely be listening to this episode again and again myself. And um, I just sending all love to you for all the, the love and the warmth and the, how much you give to share your story. That is an encouragement to every family out there who just needs an encouraging note to say, you know what, it's okay. Um, we're in this together. And here's a couple of tools and tips that will help you even um, create just a better family and relationship with your child today. Thank you. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.